Welcome to Let's Talk Land, the weekly land education talk show devoted to learning about land and farms, buying, selling, and ownership, especially for real estate agents and realtors. Hey guys, learn from the experts. This is free land education, hard to find out there, guys. Hi, my name's Lou Jewell. I'm accredited land consultant, along with my co-host, Teresa Martin, who's not here this morning. She's out selling land. We should we serve Western Piedmont, North Carolina, and Southern Virginia. Just give us a shout. Help us out. All of our shows are dedicated to the Realtors Land Institute staff and members. Our national site's www.rli.com. That's rliland.com. Now listen to me. If you're in the process of buying land or farms or selling land or farms, go to this website. Anywhere in the country, you will find one of our 2,000 members and one of our just a little over 600 accredited land consultants, guys. We're educated, unlike any other group, and we save you money if you're buying, and we'll make you more money if you're selling, because we know how to play the game. www.rliland.com. Okay? Hey, we'd like to thank our sponsors, landhub.com, buying or selling land. Landhub is the place to be. And acrevalue.com. Want to know what the neighbor's land sold for? Just go to acrevalue.com. It's free, plus a lot more. Good morning. Our guest today is Bill Davis. Welcome, Bill. Well, thank you, Lou. Where are you calling from? I am calling from Morrison, Colorado. If any of you have ever heard of Red Rocks, the music venue, I'm looking out my office window right at it. Wow, you get you get uh, cheap tickets for that? <laughs> Don't get cheap tickets, but it's seven minutes. Wow, that's great. And where's that located in Colorado, say, like from Denver? Denver. It's actually a uh, Denver Mountain Park system, and uh, it's one of the premier music venues, I think, in, on the planet. Oh, sure. I've heard of it. Yeah, it's a great venue. It's been there for a while, too, hasn't it? Well, yeah, Mother Nature made it quite yeah. some years ago. Yeah. And uh, the city of Denver and the CCC, I believe, modified it into what it is today. The CCC boys. Yep, back during the Depression. That was, uh, they built a Blue Ridge Parkway here in North Carolina and Virginia, plus a lot of stuff up and down it and mo other things. That was uh, quite a program to put food in people's bellies and help feed their families. So, um, yeah, you know, hard well, times. Yeah, they built some wonderful resources that we all get used to. Absolutely. So, just a little bit about your background. You went to San Diego State and got a bachelor's degree, is that correct? That's true. Yes, it is. And that was a few years ago, right? <laughs> just a few years ago. That would have been back in the early 80s, I guess. Okay. All right. Well, I graduated in 71, so I'm a little older. So uh, your previous background is a custom home builder, which is interested in the mountain and resort communities, provided a great background and a segment for land, along with your own interests as a sportsman and outdoor enthusiast. So how did you get into the building, Bill? Well, you know, when I was in college, I did a lot of uh, projects and things, put myself through school. And I always found that that was a good trade to go back to, not only for learning skills, but to be able to take it anywhere I went, be able to put food on the table or pay for rent or whatever needed to be paid. And so uh, when I moved to Colorado, gosh, it'd be 33, 34 years ago, uh, I found that that was a trade I went into uh, straight away looking for work in the mountain community of Breckenridge in central Colorado. Right. And... 
I kind of figured if I was going to be working for somebody, I needed to be El Jefe. So I started my own company and had my company there for, for quite some time building custom homes for clients in the resort communities surrounding Summit County, Colorado. Hmm. Where did you move from? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Southern California. Oh, okay. Uh, out on the coastal areas west of Los Angeles. And then, uh, that was, of course, before I went to San Diego for, for college. Right. What a beautiful town. I got to teach there the LAM 101 course at the uh, National Convention. You know, we used to have our RLI meetings at the Nationals in the mid-year until we started doing our land conference, which is coming up in March uh, in Denver, Colorado. It moves around San Antonio last year. And let's see if we can beat our record. I think we had over 460 uh, uh, members last year, plus over 20-some venues. So uh, it's an incredible three-day experience, and you don't have to be a realtor to join us, by the way, but you will find the best of the best, as I said in the introduction, rliland.com. Uh, go there, okay? So you had extensive uh, knowledge in Colorado and all the attributes, having lived there for over 33 years, following a lifetime spent in outdoors and successful career as a custom home builder for 23 years, owning your own company, serving Summit and Park Counties. In 2011, you decided to switch gears in your vineyard and real estate business. He soon found that he had the passion for specializing within the niche and farm and ranch and rural mountain and recreational properties. Opportunities from previous client relationships in his sphere within the building industry inspired him to seek to set the accredited education, focusing on knowledge and base and build his business and expertise. And you're one of our 600-plus RLIs, right? Uh, yes, I am. I am a, an RLI member, and I am an ALC. Good for you. What? When did you get yours? I was probably there. Uh, gosh, I've had my ALC now, I think, for three or four years. Okay. I got mine back in 03. So it took me five years really to get did. it. <laughs> but uh, it was well worth it, and I'm still uh, very much involved teaching our LAM 101 class since it came out in 2003. You guys, chapter will have to get me out there sometime. Right. We're very excited about that. Yeah. We'll be Colorado chapter, which I am the president of, will be uh, hosting the Let's Make Deals session. Oh wow! On Tuesday the sixth. Right. We anticipate a robust session. I think a lot of those sessions or those Let's Make Deals sessions were modeled after how we run our own marketing sessions. Exactly. Time of the year with our chapter here. Yep. Been around a long time. I joined in uh, 2018. Took my first class in 2017 with Ned Massey. It was a subdivision class, and since then I've developed over 80 rural subdivisions. It gave me the, uh, the the knowledge and the competence to get out there and play the game. And what a great teacher he's been. He's he's retired now, uh, out of Virginia, with his. Uh, but uh, it's exciting. The uh, and then we have the uh, the haves and wants. Uh, for those that don't know what that is, the Realtors have buyers that's looking for a specific type of property. They get a couple minutes to introduce the uh, overview of what the buyer's seeking. And then flip side, we get the ones that have uh, uh, properties that may match it. So uh, we, uh, by number, we computerize that, and then you get to follow up. We'll, we'll do over a billion dollars worth of potential business every year, don't we, Bill? Boy, it's just incredible how much business we're able to put together through those marketing meetings, and it's it just generates conversations because so many of us have 
contacts in our own spheres, in our own lives. And so when we hear somebody put out on the buyer board a specific need, it might trigger somebody to say, you know, I know some people that have that property. I'm not sure what their circumstance is, but maybe their time is now. Yep. And so it really helps us generate valuable conversations to put things together. Yep. In all of our chapters, I think we have 18 currently, and there's one in the works right now. And uh, there's not one in every state, but we got most of the states. I know our chapter is the Carolinas chapter, which is North and South Carolina. And uh, but there's some out west where there's multiple states uh, that that group up together, create a chapter. And then these chapters, uh, they create their membership, and then they offer programs. In Colorado, you know, for years uh, Texas uh, was like the number one chapter in RLI, and then we kind of got right behind them. I think we are just a nose behind them. Uh, I started teaching the Lamb 101 class when it came out uh, around the state of North Carolina as a recruiting class. And when I started, we had eight members. And four years later, after Tony Ricker got involved and got CCIM involved, uh, we had over 300 members. And we were doing something somewhere in the state every other month. So, um, and had 68,000 in the bank. And we thought we were on top of the world. <laughs> but I don't know. I think we got about 72 members now. Uh, the market changed. Really so, yeah. But, uh, you got to stay on top of it to keep it going. Well, we're finding, uh, we're finding a real increase here in Colorado. I've seen that. With, um, a younger generation as they are trying to explore real estate. Sure. Issues which might apply to them. Absolutely. That's what it's and, all about. And through that, we're seeing, you know, a real increase in our own membership. we we brought on 40 new members this year. We're up to about 270 to 275. Good for you. And um, it, it, it looks to be continuing to grow. And, but I'm very, I'm very happy to see a younger generation coming in and bringing modernization to our industry and new ideas and uh, uh, new ways of doing things. As while we continue to retain, retain all the things that have worked for so long. These person-to-person relationships are just so important in this business. Absolutely. And I think I've lo- kind of lost track. RLI, I think, is around 78, 79 years. Uh, we've been around with different names, but uh, established. And, um, you know, it's um, this, this accredited land consulted designation is akin to the commercial brokers. They, you know, when you go to real estate school, uh, uh, you know, you just become a real estate agent until you join the National Association of Realtors and, of course, the state and then your local MLS, which most companies require, and, uh, and take the Code of Ethics class. We're self-policing, policing, and that, that Code of Ethics is over 100 years old with uh, numerous um, uh, can-dos and can't-dos and should-dos and don't-dos. And uh, so we, we police ourselves. And, um, and, uh, but the, the land group, we're the smallest group, I think, of, of all the acronyms out there or one of the smallest, but we're the most dynamic, and our education is uh, is by far the best. It's Well, there is no land education, Bill, other than I've got a four-hour CE class that I've created and been teaching now for six years in North Carolina. Believe it or not, of 300 elective titles for CE, we have to have eight hours. It's the only land class in the history of North Carolina, and the only land class is certified for credit in the state. And as I talk to my buddies like you around this country, uh, you know, uh, I know Colorado has a little bit. Do you guys have any CE classes that you get that not just a onesie, but, you know, like continuous for CE in Colorado? We do. We have a number. Well, so we offer through our chapter a fair number. Each one of our marketing sessions that we 
have. We have them three times a year. And that's a full day that we have in a different part of the state. And then the following day, we do a four-hour education feast. Okay. And so we tend to rotate on a number of topics that need to be rotated sure. on because we always have fresh membership. And then also um, we periodically um, will offer an ALC class outside of those. Like last year, we did the, uh, we did the Landgate uh, uh, Renewable Energy uh, course. Right. And we host it here in Colorado. But we, we regularly come around on water rights and things of that nature. Uh, legal matters as they can pertain to land transactions. Um, last, this last one we had just last week was surrounding um, development projects and the interactions between the real estate broker and the, the, the seller or buyer as compared to their interactions with the government agencies that, that regulate development. Right. And so we had uh, speakers in from kind of both sides of that equation. It was uh, very, very informative. Now, you, so get, a, you get C credits for that? Does, it, does the state give them C credits for these things? Yeah, we, we always strive to be applying for and receive CE credits. Okay. Our brokers that dedicate time can get the credit. And we also have a lot of people attend our classes from our surrounding states of Wyoming, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, even Texas, New Mexico, and, uh, you know, sometimes they may not be able to get the credit, but they still find a lot of value. In our Absolutely. Courses. Well, I don't feel so lonely because I've been uh, propagating that I am the only land instructor with the only C class in the country, but now uh, I've been up upstage here. So. <laughs> well, it's interesting, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, people get into this business and there's just not much training necessarily available outside of the institute. Right. It's really true. And uh, when I got into real estate very early on, uh, I was still building homes in the Summit County and Park County areas of central Colorado. And I had a client whose ranch I had built. And so he had some other needs in his life to find some, some additional land to put his cattle on to winter. And he wanted to have some crop land as well to be able to raise hay and, and have some, solve some some of the needs he had for his operation. And so as a result, he, he just made a great old comment of, well, you've got your real estate license. Why don't you go out and get some of that land? There you go. Hold up for a second, Bill. Hey, our guest today is Bill Davis with Keller Williams Foothills Realty. This is Let's Talk Land. We'd like to thank our sponsors, LandHub.com. Are you looking to buy or sell land? LandHub.com previews thousands of properties. And Acre Value, if you want to know who owns the Feel down the road or what it sold for last year. The best place to research all is allfreeacrevalue.com. So, Bill, uh, go ahead and continue what we were talking about. Yeah, so uh, I had this client that uh, whose ranch I had built and found that uh, I had a real need real quick to learn about, well, it seemed like all things land on a real fast track. And right about that same time, you may have remembered Kurt Goebel, who taught a little piece at our national, uh, not our national, our statewide uh, real estate convention called Going to the Country. Oh, I remember that. And that introduced me to the Realtors Land Institute. Really? So I went to a meeting, met a bunch of people, and sure. realized these were my people and this was my place. And so that really just got me on a track to following this and, and ultimately led to me focusing on 
on what we call land, which means so many different things Absolutely. across the country. But that really gave me direction in my real estate business. So uh, I'm just very grateful to to RLI for that. Yeah, and Phil Goebbels on the top, one of the top guys too. And you know, we're self-teaching. You know, most of our classes, in fact, probably 95% of our instructors, you know, with exception like Steve Weber with MapRite, because he owns his own company and does our mapping class. But we're ALCs teaching other agents to become ALCs. And this has been the format for years. So I'm proud to be one of those over the years that, uh, you know, that I'm certified to teach our base class, which is one of the required of three classes out of 10. And then you got the uh, three more electives. And I think we're at 30 million now. Is that right in sales? It used to be 10. Uh, may be wrong on that. But, well, uh, and through all that, we're consecutively building relationships with our fellow brokers. And, uh, you know, as we've alluded to, that's just such an important part of the land business uh, because we've all got to work together. Absolutely. And uh, that's the way that we can help our clients in the best manner. Uh, well, you know, really also making sure that, that whether it's buyers or sellers, that we're giving them sound education and advice. Yeah. Well, it's like a family. I, I tell people you go to one of these uh, annual land conferences, usually the first week in March, and it's like a family reunion. And it's, uh, you know, we all help each other. I get a good percentage or give a good percentage of my business to www.rli.com because I do consulting all over the country. And a person will call me up in my area and says, you wouldn't believe it, but I just inherited a farm in Colorado. I never, I didn't know I had, <laughs> you know, and what should I do? And I'm going to say, well, I'm going to tell you what to do. Call Bill Davis at Keller Williams Foothills, okay? <clears throat> By the way, your website, if people are following along, unless you're driving please don't but uh his website and it's a beautiful site well done is uh colorado luxury ranch and land colorado luxury ranch and land.com so uh, you can follow along and and see some of the things that bill and his, his, uh, he's the owner of the brokerage out there uh, and accredited land consulting you can follow along and keep up uh, if you're interested in that part of the world and uh, you'll have the right person to help you and save you money if you're buying or make you more if you're selling. Right, Bill? Well, absolutely. And we touch so many different types of things that we call land here in Colorado. You know, when you get into uh, some states, their big industry might be timber. Right. Or you get into other states, their big industry might be uh, corn and soybeans. When you get into Colorado, it's a whole wide range of different types of real estate that we have. A lot of what we touch is what we call recreational real estate, where people are looking for uh, or recreational ranches, where people are looking for a place that they can live or play or live and play and um, use, use in conjunction with other things like growing hay or maybe equestrian elements, uh, hunting, fishing, all the classic, the classic sporting properties. But now, now we also see you know, people that are looking for a place. We sold one last year down around Salida in central Colorado that was just miles and miles of mountain bike trails huh. that had been developed by that owner. And then the property was what we call an inholding in the middle of National Forest and Bureau of Land Management land. And so they had this 160-acre playground in the middle of public lands that, you know, just gave them unlimited access to be able to go do so many different activities sure. winter and summer wow what a great project that was 
you know, you guys are so lucky because, you know, sort of like North Carolina, we've got the mountains. You just don't have the coast, but you've got the mountains and you've got the little bit of the deserts, but you've got crop areas, uh, you know, you're rural. What, what's the population out there roughly for the state? Oh, my goodness. It's a great question, and I wish they knew the answer. That's fine. That's okay. They can, <laughs> Goog- the they can Google it. <laughs> Imagine if we <laughs> had Google and all this stuff when we were growing up. We'd both be Einstein's. YouTube and all the stuff that's out there, <laughs> but you know it's a well. It's definitely growing, and we've seen tremendous growth over the last several years. And the course of the pandemic, we had uh, just massive, massive migration yeah. into Colorado as people were kind of looking at their lifestyles and the way they were living and yeah. uh, determining what was important. And so we have seen a real, uh, real massive influx of people. Yeah. We have some that are going out. Interestingly, Colorado uh, trades a lot of people with North Carolina and South Carolina. Yeah, they do. They do. We, we see a lot of, lot of transmission back and forth uh, of people going there and people coming here from there. I have not been to North Carolina, but I gather that we share some very similar attributes. We do. Good God-fearing people. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you know, well, you... we have you know we have we have the mountains as you mentioned. We also have more arid country. We have good crop country in the eastern plains. We have uh, uh, you know we have good crop ground for not as much corn as there used to be, but certainly we have some in soybeans. We'll have winter wheat. Uh, we certainly are growing hay and alfalfa. Um, people have tried their tried their way with hemp. I haven't seen that take off in any big huge manner. Right. But a lot of it's supporting our cattle industry, which, of course, is a huge industry across the state. Right. Uh, the, the east side of the plains, as well as the western slope, and really all the central valleys throughout the state um, have significant amounts of cattle country. And a lot of that's because we have so much public ground, which can lead to lease opportunities for summer grazing to enhance your operations. Yeah, there's a lot but of... We really have a very diverse a very diverse range of the different types of land that we touch. Sporting and recreational properties, which is, includes uh, more uses beyond traditional hunting and fishing and amusement parks and ATV rentals and biking and boating and drive-in theaters and fishing and golf courses and hiking. I, I guess drive-in theaters would be one of the categories as a recreational facility. <laughs> so, uh, but tons of hiking and fresh air and uh, just beautiful God-given country out there. Uh, it's just uh, spectacular. Hey, buying recreational property for personal enjoyment may not, uh, maybe you don't want to purchase vacation land, but rather recreational property that you can live on too. And that, that's something Colorado offers uh, in many, many respects, right? Absolutely. In fact, you know, I think it's still the majority of usage. Uh, it's, it's not all just second homes or, or, or whatnot for people. It still is the primary usage yeah. of people that are living there and they're living there and working on their land or they're living there and using it in the way that they like to, to have their lifestyle. And we certainly have plenty of second homes as, as an opportunity, but um, we, we have plenty of people that are, that are living here and they can live on all of these properties. Um, we do have some restrictions when we get to things like the inholding that I mentioned previously. We can have access issues potentially in the winter time, or there are other areas. There's a ranch that we sold at the foot of Mount Evans a couple of years ago, and uh, the access to that 
in holding, meaning that it's in the middle of public lands, right. uh, was through an area controlled by both the state wildlife area as well as federal national forest. And so that property uniquely had year-round rights to cross the access, but the rest of the public did not for, gosh, um, eight months out of the year. So it was that a, really expanded on the opportunities of those property owners to really have privacy right. and uh, exclusive use of a vast area. Um, or that was for reasons of just res of, uh, restricting the, the volumes of, of uh, people traversing through there during calving seasons and other migratory reasons with the wildlife. Um, but even that one, one could live on year-round. You might have to have the right equipment, either be plowing a lot of road or Perhaps you're accessing your property in the wintertime with a snowcat or uh, put tracks on your ranger, uh, which is what we do out here for showing property and showing land across the state. Um, we can put tracks on our six-person side-by-side. We have the heat and all the equipment and everything that you need to be able to get out and <laughs> enjoy. Need to see any time of year. Enjoy God's country. I tell you, there's nothing like, you know, I, I'm not an office person. My office is outdoors on land. Isn't it yours, too? I mean, that's that's where I, I excel and enjoy and uh, fellowship. And, and uh, there's, I mean, golly, it's just so, so different than, than traditional real estate showing houses. Uh, you know, it's Well, just, it is. And, you know, I imagine you, as so many of us, really our primary office is out on these properties uh, when it's not in the truck. Right. Because that's, that's really our primary office exactly. right there. Either that or side by side. <laughs> On the road and in the truck. Or hoofing it with your doggie. So <laughs> yes, my, my, my doggie goes everywhere. She's in every advertised. My dog has sold more real estate than I have. I, 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 I went back and started looking at that. and Her portfolio is larger than mine. Could you believe that? Well, and you know, it, do you have a sporting dog? Is she a hunter? She's a Jackie Russell because she's a female. She says, do not call me no daggum Jack. I'm a female. But... Uh, <laughs> And she won't tell me how old she is. I've had her uh, uh, 13 years, and I think I got her out of a rescue. And uh, and I didn't even know what kind of dog it was. And the vet says, well, it's a Jack Russell. Uh, I think it's mixed for something. I'm not sure. I said, how old is this doggy? He said, well, eh, probably somewhere around a year, maybe a year and a half. So that puts her, you know, a little under 15. And several months later, Bill, I was down uh, in another county. One of my old realtor buddies had a uh, pull off the road uh a hamburger, ice cream, hot dog. You didn't go inside. It had canopies, and you'd sit out on the picnic table. And I'd always try to stop by when I was in the area and say hey and get some ice cream or something. This lady pulls up in an SUV, and it says Jack Russell on the front. And as she meanders up to the deck, I said, excuse me, ma'am. I see you got Jack Russell on your, on your car out there. She said, yes. She said, I've been the state judge for Jack Russell for 28 years. I said, what? I said, I think I got one out there in my Jeep. So she came out and did the whole show thing and lifted the tail and spun her around and opened her jaws. And she said, Mr. Jewell, she said, if this dog had been in my, any of my shows in the last 28 years, I doubt it would have taken worse in second place. I said, you got to be kidding. She said, no, but you got to have her tail nipped. She's, she's a black ring tail. She's white with the, you know, the, the Dalmatian spots and the, and the black face and black ears. And, and I said, no, nope. I said, I'm not cutting her tail off. That's how I find her in the woods. So, uh, but she's an air. Well, She's in all of my advertising. Our labradors, and our labradors are probably 
on probably 80% of our Oh, what great dogs, yeah. Clients. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a wonderful thing to be able to do. Yeah. Well, she's in all my advertising. Everything I list and have for years, she's in at least one picture. So people call all the time and says, I know that you're listing. I see your dog. <laughs> <laughs> Photo bombing. Yeah. And then this is crazy, but I teach this in my classes. You know, realtors, they'll put a sign up on a property, you know, for sale, your name, your company, you know, your phone number, and they'll stick it out on the road on a piece of property. Well, what the heck is it? Is it one acre? Is it 10 acres? Is it 50 acres? I mean, what is it? So I created the three-by-three three sign uh, and the two uh, two fence posts that you drive in with the, with the uh, strip tapes. And um, and I put the aerial topo map right, my friend and your friend, I'm sure. Uh, you know, beautiful maps and, and, you know, with the features and call-outs. And then I'll put a, 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 a QRC that's a direct link to the MLS. So you're standing there at the property on the edge of it. You're looking at what it is. You know how many acres it is, plus, minus. And, um, and um, you go to the QRC. Now you know how much is cleared, how much is open, any of the features, water rates out your way, or whatever the significance is, and the price. So then we do the GoPro and the, and the uh, GoDaddy, and, I mean the, the, the drone and the GoPro. And so it starts out, Shadow comes and sits down with their tongue flapping out, and a little bubble pops up and says, Hi, my name's Shada. Follow me on the most incredible piece of property you'll ever lay your eyes on. Come on, let's go now. And she's in the picture, out of the picture, in the picture, out of the picture. And at the end, she comes running up and uh, with the same thing. And uh, with her tongue hanging out and the bubble pops up, she said, I told you so. You better call my dad, Lou Jewel, right now, 336-669-1405. You better call him right now. You wouldn't believe how many people want this property. Call him now. And I'll be daggone if the phone doesn't ring and the property's five hours from my office. Well, I just love that that approach. That is fantastic. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to look at something. I think I've got it copyrighted. People we prided ourselves, and we, we, we get to touch some really beautiful properties. Absolutely. Hey, times what we're mentioning yeah. is, is that we're not just selling property; we're selling lifestyle. Oh, sure, of course. Hey, our so, guest today is Bill Davis with Keller Williams Foothills Realty. This is Let's Talk Land. We'd like to thank our sponsors, LandHub.com. View thousands of properties for sale at LandHub.com. And Acre Value, if you want to know who owns the property down the road and what it sold for last year, the best place to research land, all is free at AcreValue.com. I lose you again? Yeah, no, you're here. But anyway, you, you guys are luxury. It's a luxury farms. Is that what you call it out there? Uh Colorado Luxury Ranch and Land. Yeah, that's the name of your company there. That's the name of our company under Keller Williams Foothills Realty. And uh, and we do, we work a broad spectrum of different types of properties. Right. It might be raw land, and a lot of them are, gosh, a lot of them are these mountain, mountain properties that might include a lot of acreage, uh, a lot of space. They might have uh, be abutting public lands. Uh, there can be a lot of different factors that while people are consecutively living there. And so, you know, when you get into these types of tracks, luxury off, oftentimes enters the conversation. Uh, you know, we like to think of ourselves as running a luxury business regardless of what the price point of a piece of property is. Right. And we do. We provide an exceptional experience for our clients. Uh, I think I, as we were wrapping up previously, I just mentioned that you know, a lot of what we what we do here, we're selling lifestyles, and so we really enjoy getting out on these properties. And um, uh, we love our filming day. 
We love our filming day. That's a great day to also bring the dog. We also might bring in horses. Sometimes we'll bring in hikers or people to mountain bike, or we'll bring in uh, just people to be there for the day right. doing the types of activities, fishing, uh, even hunting, and, and just invite people to be there doing the types of things on these properties that, that people might be doing so that we can just film all day and get a good representation of the lifestyle that a property Parts. Yeah, I've been accused. So, I've been accused over the year of planting deer. So you know, I said, yeah, I've got this whole herd that my uncle keeps. You know, in the ten foot fences, and when I'm out showing property, I get a few of them. They're trained. They got names. They'll come like a dog, and I take them out on the property before I go show it to you. Yeah, see, there's Bambi over there, and there's Roscoe. You know, here, Roscoe, come here. Ah, oh, God, come on, Roscoe. I don't know what's wrong with him today. So, uh, we like to cue the deer. We like to cue the eagles. We like to cue the moose, the elk. Uh, <laughs> Golly. We have a lot of wildlife to choose from. Yeah, you really do. I, I've never even seen an elk live up in front, but uh, pretty big animal, aren't they? Or can be. They are. They're a big animal. The moose are even bigger. And, uh, we, have, we have very robust herds here in are they Are they pretty docile, Bill, those, those mooses? Are they, just, are they? No. No, they're not. And uh, if it's during the rut, they're really not. Right, I'm sure. So they need to be taken seriously, right. and uh, so that's certainly something that we'll keep an eye on. Now, you have but, uh, you have bison yeah. out there too, don't you? Are those natural bison or are those uh, domesticated bison? Those are domesticated. So those are going to be people that have herds, and we do have some bison ranching that goes on out here. It's an interesting asset class for sure. If you picture cattle operations, you really put them on steroids when you get into uh, bison or buffalo. They're big animals. They're strong, and they're a little bit ornery. Yeah. And it, so it requires heavier equipment, and uh, safety can be a real concern. That, that's what uh, Ted Turner got in two years ago, wasn't it, as he was acquiring yeah, his 200,000 acres? big involvement in it. owns a lot of acreage involved in that, right. uh, I think up in Wyoming and Montana as well. Right. Um, and you know a lot of lot of the the uh, oligarchs, I guess, uh, probably not the right word, the billionaire class, uh, the Bill Gates of the world, and you know the the, the successful uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, land's the best place to put your money. I don't care what you say; uh, it is the most secure. Uh, it's got so many people say, Bill. You probably heard this. Oh, why should I buy land? You can't make any money with land. Well, call me and build up. We'll probably get a, give you about 80 different ways you can make money with land. Uh, it's, it's kind of a misnomer out there. Well, it is, and people don't realize what the opportunities against against uh, you know are against the, uh, the carrying costs, which can sometimes be high and sometimes be extremely low. And so uh, there are a lot of ways to make money on it, and a lot of times that's just buying and holding. You know, they say... They're not making it anymore, and, right. and it's true. There's only so much out, of, out there. It's a limited, a limited asset. And uh, for here in Colorado, a lot of what that asset can entail is water. That could be, you know, one of the most important pieces of value that somebody can have with their land here. Uh, being really arid country as a whole, it's extremely important. And, and so water upon a property certainly can provide aesthetic value but just because you have water on your property doesn't give you a right to use it here in colorado and many people stand that when they come from other places 
when you say you can't use it, you can't put your toe in the water? Uh, you can put your toe in it. Uh, you can float on it. You can fish in it. But what you can't do is divert it and wash your car with it. Gotcha. If it's flowing through your property, your livestock may drink from it. Okay. But you can't pump that into your pansies or your garden. And so here in Colorado, water rights are taken very seriously. The state owns all of the water, and individuals own the right to use that water for a beneficial use. Now, let me ask you something. See if I'm wrong. If I'm out there and I'm buying a piece of dirt out there, okay, and it's got water either internal or, or, or riparian, but it's got water on the property. When I buy that land, that water right may not transfer. Somebody else may own that, right? That is absolutely correct. That is a severable right here in Colorado. Right. And it may or may not transfer with the deed. And usually when water rights are attributable to a property, we want to make sure that it gets transferred and we will include a separate deed to confirm that transfer. How does that affect the, uh, the how does that affect the per acre price value? Well, gosh, that's such a broad broad range because it depends it depends a lot on where that where that property is. By the way, where the water gets used has nothing to do with where the water is. Um, it's about so the origination can isn't, have a lot of different effects. Isn't, isn't it about the origination of where the water is? Say again? Isn't it coming from the origination of where the water the spring heads that feed into the the small stream that feeds into the creek that feeds into the river as a tributary in that in the water well, rights based that on that affect the watersheds but yeah. all of these watersheds are also consecutively recharging the aquifers right below. right and so it can it can have a very vast uh, impact on on how that water blossoms or blooms out both on the surface as well as subsurface okay so ultimately, what what becomes what, what becomes important is that we understand what people's goals are with any piece of property and what they're wanting to do and what water means to that. Because the water that's on a property or passes through a property uh, may or may not be able to utilize. And even things like wells, uh, you know, people don't realize that if you buy if you buy anything less than thirty five acres here. For the most part, you are most likely only going to be able to get what we call a household use only well. And what that means is, is you can turn on your sinks and take showers and do laundry, but you can't wash your car in the driveway, water your pansies outside, or fill your outdoor hot tub hmm. legally with that water. And so without getting some other right to that water, uh, by purchasing water rights and then augment them, augment that well for other uses. Uh, these smaller properties could be very, very limited in what you're allowed to do with your water uh, on the property. And so that 35-acre number becomes a very critical number okay. depending on what people are looking to do. And that affects the price too, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Less is more and so on. You know, I, I, like to... I just showed, I just showed and when I hang up here, I'm going <laughs> to be writing an offer on behalf of some clients uh, today, that's a 22-acre parcel, but that parcel was developed pre these regulations. Okay. And so that well was pre-1978, and so that well is grandfathered in for other what we call domestic uses. Interesting. So they will have the ability to irrigate up to an acre as well as uh, water livestock. Okay. So in your advertising and your description, I'm sure that's going to be a high point that you're going to bring out up front. Because that's that's relative to, 
you know, why am I looking at this piece of property if I can't use it? But an uneducated land broker that has no knowledge of what we're talking about here probably wouldn't even understand what that is and why and how to, to communicate and, and follow up and make sure that it's properly transferred. Incredible. You are absolutely right. And we see many, many times where an individual purchased a piece of property with their understanding or belief of what they could do only to find out after they purchased it that they could not do those things because the water did not exist to allow it. Sounds like a lawsuit. That frequently, <laughs> you know, we talk about competency so often in RLI. Yes, we do. You're not working outside of the scope of your knowledge. And, boy, if you don't know water here, you should not be selling land. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, interesting. I had the privilege of teaching in Gary, Indiana years ago and flew into Denver and took the little eight-seater uh, up to Gehring, and, and uh, at the end of the second day, had to spend the night to get an early morning flight out, which was delayed because of ice fog was covering half of the runway, whatever that is. But one of the uh, one of the uh, students uh, took us to dinner, and and but prior to that, after the class that ended at five, I said, you know, I've never been to Colorado other than flying in. Uh, he said, well, it's only like 20 miles down the road. Come on, I'll take you out there. And uh, I've got to feel the dirt anywhere I go. And travel uh, doesn't matter. I'll go someplace. I'm gonna put my hand in some dirt. But uh, they had wells out there that had meters on them, and he was describing. I may be wrong, but you can only use so much water, and those are monitored. And when you get to that point, you know, how does that work? Metered wells. Well, so if you have an agricultural piece, which I'm that's what these were out there. At, yeah. Then they will be metering that water because you're only allowed to take so much flow from that well based on the water right that it is connected to. And it all gets controlled and managed and measured. Uh, and so that beneficial use. And by the way, if you stop using it and you do not have records of putting that water to its appropriated beneficial use, you can lose that water right to what we call abandonment. Huh. And so it's, it's one of those, it's a use it or lose it resource yeah. as well. Wow. There's a whole lot to this, isn't there? It's a little bit complicated, depending on what you're trying to do. Yeah, a little different in North Carolina, Virginia. You know, we uh, we have deferments for 20 acres or more of timber, or 10 acres of ag, or five acres of uh, I mean, 10 acres of pasture, five acres of ag, that they take the uh, tax value and they'll reduce it to almost uh, sometimes as much as 80 percent, and then you pay your taxes based on you know based on the balance. We've got a 300-acre farm in the family, part of a 900 acres that great-granddaddy and granddaddy bought between 1909 and 1929. Now going on sixth generation and every inch is still in the family. But the annual taxes on that parcel, it's a timber track. The timber's been cut twice since 1929. is $280 a year because of the deferment. That's a good, that's a good buy and hold right there. Yeah, so that's what you put on your description very first you know annual taxes two hundred and eighty dollars and uh, that kind of gets people's attention like did you leave a couple zeros out or something <laughs> we can get a lot of benefits here when you get into agricultural status which oftentimes you can do with forest remediation projects to just benefit the health of the forest uh, and so there are a number of ways that you can uh, position properties that you hold and keep those taxes incredibly right. low. Hey, you know, it's, uh, uh, I've gotten in bed with Landgate, who is one of my sponsors for my classes from time to time. Great organization. 
and you know carbon credits is what we're kind of focusing on here in North Carolina because we don't have really wind and so we have solar actually have a lot of solar but uh, uh, this carbon credits uh, people don't realize it uh, it's a it's an interesting way to pick up one of those can't make money on land deals uh, so are you seeing much of that are you guys practicing any of the the land gate stuff we're starting to see some of the carbon credits they're a little bit tricky to map out and yep. figure out yep. because uh, you have to go change something. You know, a farmer could be exercising just really good practices that are benefiting the environment and, and, and whatnot. But in order to actually achieve carbon credits, you have to take something and improve it right. into something else. Right. And so we're finding the people that are already uh, utilizing good practices are not getting rewarded. You've got to go get something that they weren't, and then and then bring those practices into play to to make that happen. We are seeing um, an expansion of wind and solar, okay, for sure. Yeah, and we've seen a lot a lot of that coming here in recent time with these changes in energy uses and things starting to shift some from oil and gas or natural gas, uh, looking for what they're calling renewable resources. And we have a lot of land here, and those resources require a lot of land. Yeah. But yeah, a lot do. of it is dependent upon the infrastructure that is already in place to support it. So we have to look at where are the transmission lines and where are the substations to be able to connect through. Right. And uh, I'm working on a 7,000-acre project right now down in southeastern Colorado. This seems like it would be just, I can't think of a better place for a solar project. But the values that are being attributed to it are quite a bit lower than I would have anticipated, and I believe that's largely because of the lack of infrastructure to transport it. Right, right. Yeah, that's been the right place. We have the same thing here. Um, I, I want to switch here for a second. I was just looking at something, and I had a question for you. You're talking about the agricultural production of crops and cattle and bison and other livestock, but in the agricultural production in Colorado, Colorado ranks as first in the country for the production of proso. Millet, millet. Is it millet or millet? Millet. What is that? I probably know, but I can't. I can't put my. I, I think they're utilizing it. that in feed, and that's not a that's not a product that I'm very used to. And I I had seen you had put that out there, and it's just it's just not something I've seen that much of. It might be in the eastern part of the state that maybe you're not. It, it's going to be much further into yeah. the eastern plains. Okay. I think where we have a lot more, uh, a lot more of the flat agriculture going on. Well, I'm just going to have to Google it, I guess. <laughs> Gonna have to get back to the googling. There we now. go. And it also I says, did, however, I did, however, find out that it's 5.8 million here in Colorado. Wow, that's uh, quite a bit. And the cow, <laughs> yeah, the cow, the cattle and calves. You're number one in agriculture combined with 2.6 million head of cattle in the state. I didn't realize that. And in Colorado, you got sheep and lamb and wool production ranked fourth in the nation. And then your dairy is 130,000 dairy cows. Uh, produce more than 2.5 billion pounds of milk. That's uh, that's quite quite a quite a production there. The dairy has been very strong and continues to be, particularly in um, northern Colorado, areas surrounding, gosh, Fort Collins, Windsor, uh, areas up towards the Wyoming border. There's extensive dairy operations. And uh, yeah, my we did a we did a tour with RLI here a couple of years back on uh, on their. They're rotisserie milking mechanisms. What is that? Dairies. Pretty, pretty fascinating stuff. What, what is that? Uh, they're, 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 they're automated systems 
for bringing the cattle, the, the dairy cows in twice daily. And they, they essentially step in on these. It's, it's like a big record player. And they, they step onto the, the rotisserie platform where their milking activities take place. Huh. And um, Are they playing music like Mozart or something? <laughs> they weren't that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. My, my grandfather, my, my mother's side I was talking about, uh, he had a dairy farm from from the early 30s, and, and of course it passed down to the to the sons and to the grandsons. And uh, I, I, when the grandsons took it over a number of years ago, uh, there was over five, 600 head that they had. And you know, it took six months to liquidate those cows. One, uh, half of them I think went to Florida and half went to Michigan. And when that dairy was closed, there was over, granddaddy used to say there was over 80 dairy farms in Surrey County, North Carolina. And when he closed that, when that one was closed, there was one left. The small farmers, um, uh, dairy farms, they're, they're gone. It's, it's so difficult uh, for many of these ranchers and these, these types of industries because the land values get so high that if they change hands, it's hard <laughs> to make these operations pencil uh, by the new land values that get appointed to them, particularly if they're anywhere near areas or in path of development. It's, it's a challenge for yeah. sure. Well. Farming is a challenge, and it's God-given, and, and you know, thank, thank our farmers. It's, uh, it, by the way, anybody that's uh, uh, got a good organization for children out there, I'm always looking for shows uh, like Farm Credit sponsors some, and the different ones, uh, uh, American Farmers, they use programs, and I'm always looking for uh, any show that I can help promote any program that's for the youth. So uh, just, a, just a, a wish list out there. So. Well, and we want to see more and more of our youth, if we can, uh, you know, continue to embrace agriculture because we're all going to need it. Oh yeah, yep, we sure are. Um, what 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 type of property do you personally like to sell? Well, being right up against the Rocky Mountains, and with a, a, a majority of our business happening in the Central Rockies, uh, we really do enjoy these recreational ranches that we get to touch. What's a typical acreage of, of, for uh, your farms out there, your land out there, typical average? On a price per acre? Right. Well, I mean, you'll just see a huge gamut depending on the part of the state and whether it has high high levels for hunting uh, or, you know, what, what kind of, uh, you know, whether it has live water on it. I mean, you can see on some of these even big places, you can see 25,000 an acre in a heartbeat. Really? Which is can be mind-boggling, but you can have yeah, others, say. you know, that that just because of access or other reasons, it might be five or six hundred dollars an acre, and everything in between. Hmm, that's so quite great. It, it's such a broad topic. Yeah, it's, it's always going to be very specific to people's goals of what. You know, our first question is always, "What? If somebody wants some land, why? Why do you want land? What do you, What do you want to do with it? What do you want to do there?" Uh, how far how far away from an airport can you be, or how close do you need to be? Uh, do you need to be 30 minutes from a latte, or is two hours or three hours going to be okay? <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. I do the same thing. You know, I, I tell them to close their eyes in my office after, you know, meet them and get to know them. I say, just close your eyes and describe what it is that you want. And I tell you, that's an interesting process. It's kind of Some people don't want to do it, but most of them do. Uh, and uh, it's kind of interesting what they come up with. <laughs> and then on the flip side, you know, week later, month later, whatever, you've been working with them, 
they end up buying something that's totally the opposite. Blows my mind. So. Well, that happens, and then of course also they close their eyes and they tell you that, and then they open their eyes and say, "And how much money do you have yeah, to apply to this?" Exactly. Project? Those two may not meet. Sure. <laughs> that's for sure. So what what gets you up in the morning? Well, I'll tell you what gets me up in the morning is helping people. Yeah. We love working on we love working on these projects, and we love it when we can. We can meet with people and try and figure out what it is they're trying to do, and it doesn't matter if they're buying or selling. But we, we love helping people get where they're going, and the asset classes that we get to touch are so enjoyable, and the people involved in them are so enjoyable that that's just that is our passion, and it's it's what we love to do to get up get up in the morning and get to get to work on somebody's project, knowing that we're. We're helping them get where they want to go. And also helping the sellers achieve their goals, too. I mean, that's very important. Uh, always. Always. You know, there's a reason they're selling. And, you know, sometimes time is what matters. Sometimes what their ultimate net that they're going to get on a property is what matters. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, how they're going to convert this asset into some other asset. Right. And so they're all challenges before us that we work to find. We're professional solutions. problem solvers. That's what I tell my students. We're not real estate agents. We're not realtors. And they say, well, then what are we? I said, we're professional problem solvers because as soon as someone comes in, they say, hey, Lou, I got a problem. I need to buy something. Hey, Lou, I got a problem. I need to sell something. So if you take that assignment on until to closing, it's yang, 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 yang. Why didn't it show up? And we mean this cost that. Nah, 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 nah. So, uh, you know, they get us right there in the middle, don't they? Which is what I, I love it. That's That's the fun part. Solving problems. It truly is. Don't you find that the uh, people that are investing in land, and I use the word personally, investment and land, you know, it's the same thing to me because it's the best investment. I, I Prove to me that it's not. No one, no one really been able to. They'll have their little issues, but not really. But don't you find, Bill, that the, uh, the quality of the people that are investing in land, you know, usually they have a home, they have a mortgage or it's paid for, and now they want a piece of dirt. And so that's investment money, right? That's that's truly investment money. But I find they're more sophisticated, more educated uh, uh, than, you know, like I said, selling the houses. It's it's to me, it's just it's night and day. Well, absolutely, and and you, you know, they're also curious, and so we do see people that are very well informed, very well educated, but they also may have no experience in in what we're working on. Right. So. We, we love their curiosity Absolutely. and their willingness and excitement to learn. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, be, we love being able to provide them the resources to, to help them along that journey. You know, when you buy some of these places, uh, really all of them, there's a stewardship element to it. Yes, there and, is. Um, you know, somebody who is a buyer is going to become a new steward of property, and it comes with some responsibility and, and tremendous joy. And, and so the, the, the whole process of all of it is just, we just absolutely love it. And it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. It, it's not for everyone. And you don't want to ever put someone in a position where really they cannot, they don't have the, the means. Or the accurate, yeah, yeah. Question, Bill. How do you, how do you get your listings in your, in your office? How, how do you, where does your listings come from? About half of our business comes from just our own network and 
atmosphere of communications with people in our lives. Sure. And um, and the other half comes from brokers from across the country. Interesting. And we've um, I'm, I'm involved with Keller Williams Land, right? Which is great organization of the bigger yeah, company. Absolutely great organization. And um, and that's I, I, I teach. I do a lot of these programs. Of course, I'm the president of Colorado sure. RLI. But all of these relationships have really gotten us great exposure across the country yeah. so that people all around know who we are and what we do because people all around have clients that may become to Colorado one day. Exactly. And, uh, and so when they do, uh, we, we, get, we get a call from those brokers saying we're looking for the right person to fit with our client. Well, Bill, you've been a great guest today. We can continue this for a couple more hours if you want to, but I think Rodney's going to kick us out. But uh, how do people get in touch with you? So um, our company is Colorado Luxury Ranch and Land. We're part of Keller Williams Foothills Realty. You can find us at coloradoluxuryranchandland.com, or you can email me at bill at coloradolrl.com. Okay. Uh, repeat your email one time. Bill at coloradolrl.com All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. Let us know how you like the show. All questions and comments are welcomed. This show is mostly for the public and mostly for real estate agents who do not have a source of land education. It's hard to find out there, guys. All shows will be found on our master website, which is www.letstalkland.net. That's .net. Spotify and Podbean. My email is lou, L-O-U, at mylandpro.com. My cell phone number is 336-669-1405. That's 336-669-1405. Our company website is www.mylandpro.com. We'd like to thank our sponsors, landhub.com. Landhub, sell your land, land of your dreams. Or if you're looking to sell land, try Landhub. I've used them for years and uh, get a lot of business and a lot of exposure great organization and acre.com now these guys have really put it all together uh, it's a wonderful site that's free uh, for the basic stuff but it's a ability to go in and and research property in your area around your area and you can see uh, a lot of information about the property and what it's sold for and, and it's just it's just a lot of information that's acrevalue.com Ronnie, how they get in touch with us here? Well, Lou, they can go to our website. Go to WKTE1090.com. And uh, also, they can give us a call if they'd like to advertise. Really? You got a phone number? Yeah. It's 336-983-3111. Or it's 3111. However you want to do it. You can do it either way. Is there a third way? No, only two ways. 3111 or 3111. Oh, okay. So how else can they find us? They can go to the Simple Radio app and listen to us all day long, 24-7. Simple? Simple. It's really simple. Simple Radio. Simple Radio app and put in WKTE. Do you have to put in the 1090? You can. Okay. Sometimes it just brings it right up. And what we... does it play, Shadow? <laughs> <laughs> Only happy ha music. Happy music, yeah. that's right. Beach and oldies. If you want to feel happy, mm -hmm. tune in. 24-7. That's right. right. Mm -hmm. Beach music and oldies, right? That's it. And we won some nice awards, right? Yeah, eight years in a row being the top uh, beach and oldies radio station on the East Coast. 
Is that like the whole East Coast, like from Maine to Key West? To yeah. Out to mm -hmm. the Mississippi or? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But there's Universe too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we haven't got those ratings yet. Yeah, I know. Well, those are hard to collect. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and you won a nice award. Yeah, the Reader's Choice Announcer of the Year Award. Really? Really. Really? Really. Well, congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And we're celebrating our 60-year anniversary. 6-0. I saw that on Facebook. Yeah. We have a big party. Yeah, maybe so. Okay, let's do it. Hey, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we'll see you next week. God bless you and have a good week. Thanks.